0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to CoastalOaksChurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. And you can be seated. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 4. We continue our study on experiencing God, knowing and doing the will of God. Today we're going to look at the importance of spiritual markers. The importance of spiritual markers. There's a cemetery in Hollywood called uh, Hollywood Forever. There's a 64-acre park And all through that park, there are celebrities who've been buried. There's Douglas Fairbanks, Rudolph Valentino, Cecil B. DeMille, all of those old greats. And with them, they have a a narrative of the person's life, a video, audio description, biography of that person. Because there's this sense of those folks that put that cemetery out there. We want to be sure that none of these lives were forgotten. We're putting these markers there to indicate they really did have an incredible life. Well, I want us to look at a situation in scripture where the Bible shows us how important spiritual markers are. Really, a a marker, a spiritual marker, is any significant event in your life which God played a significant role. So that's what we're talking about as we talk about markers. In Hebrew thought, as God tells Joshua to set up some markers, here's what the, the Hebrew understanding of a spiritual marker was. It was a recollection of the past, a recollection of past, that means when it is recalled, it becomes a present reality that, that controls the will. So when God tells Joshua to set these spiritual markers, it's a marker remembering an event of the past to bring it to mind in the future. That's gonna, the mind in the present that's going to change decisions that we make In the future, let's look at this. Joshua chapter 4, beginning of verse 4. We read the story last week of how God involved Joshua in his plan to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land. Here is the actual crossing description. Verse 4 So Joshua summoned the 12 men he had selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe. And he said to them, Go across to the ark, the Lord your God. The the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Remember, the priests were to step into the the waters at flood stage, and when their toes hit the water, the water separated, and they walked onto the middle of the Jordan River on dry ground, and they stood there with the ark, the visible presence of God, the symbolic presence of God among the people. So go there to where the ark is in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes. I think the, the, the men that they chose hopefully could handle this task. So this will be a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's waters were cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites, or a marker for the Israelites. Skip down with me to verse 19 as the story unfolds. They did exactly what Joshua commanded them to do from God's word. Verse 19, the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they camped at Gilgal on the eastern limits of Jericho. Then Joshua set up in Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken up out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, what, are these stone- what is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. This is so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, and so that you should always, that you may always fear the Lord your God. Remember, fear is, is to trust and, and not to be afraid of, but to, to worship and to reverence the Lord. Joshua, given these commands, fulfills them with the people of God, leading the children of Israel across the Jordan, and setting up this spiritual marker. So I wanna look at five things that that give us insight and application as we think about spiritual markers. As we've gone through our study in our small groups on experiencing God, this last unit we've talked about the importance of going back through your life and looking at those significant moments where you had an encounter with God or where God spared you or God provided for you or, or something happened where God was involved and you go back and you remember that. Number one, spiritual markers highlight significant times in our lives. Spiritual markers highlight significant times. This event takes place 40 years after the children of Israel left Egypt. Some scholars say it was exactly to the day. That's debatable, but but it it was right at the same time. Significantly, the children of Israel are remembering they they crossed out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and now here they are crossing into the Promised Land. Out of bondage and into the Promised Land. It's a picture of salvation. Out of the bondage of sin... And into the the forgiveness and redemption that God has a place that God's provided for us. Spiritual markers mark a significant time. One one scholar said it's this way. It's from deliverance in the book of Exodus to delivery, the book of Joshua. Isn't that great? From being delivered from their bondage to being given that place that God has given them, the promised land. Delivery. Delivery what god had given that that whole nation the promise of before that remember that the those spies that didn't want to go and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation died off now finally their children are getting to possess the promised land one of the things we did as we went through our plans to build this worship center and to expand our facilities, we had a, an offering time we called The Journey and then ultimately The Encounter. What we did was we would pray and ask God to speak to our hearts about what we should give. Then we would bring a love offering to the Lord and then we would celebrate it. After every one of those offerings, we would have a celebration service. Most of those services, our people would march down, it started over in the gym and we would put our offerings either on the stage or on the floor or in a bucket or in a wheelbarrow or in a chest. Like We've used everything over the years, but each time we would mark that day as a significant marker that God had provided. First, he provided for us as a church to get out of debt. We marked that as a significant time. We celebrated that. Then he provided for us to be able to clear this land. We celebrated that. Then to pour the foundation, we celebrated that. At each one of those, we had a marker where we stood. We said, God, thank you for bringing us this far. I don't know how many of you went through that with us, quite a few who are still here, but those were significant times in the life of this church. And when we came finally to get the property next door and we carried those stones next door, it marked that time, a reminder from the book of, of Joshua, how God had given us the land. I was sitting in my study, my office today, and we have our small group in there. And after the group wrapped up, I was looking at the wall behind my desk, and it, 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 it's full of stuff. There's a pile of rocks on one shelf. There's a, there's a little trophy on another shelf. The, the rocks reminded me of, of uh, the commitment I made to raise my kids and to put the big rocks in first, those important things. I looked over at this little trophy that I, I won when I was, uh, I think I was 12 years old. I got the outstanding camper award. Man, that was one of the highlights of my life. First time I ever won anything. Listen, I'm 60, almost 62 years old. It, took a, it was about five years ago that I could tell that story without getting teary-eyed. Man, what, a, what an incredible moment that was for me as this young kid, to, for, for adults to say, we see leadership potential in you. First time I'd ever been recognized of having any leadership ability. Then I looked over and there's a, there's a hat on my shelf and people say, what's that? Almost everybody comes up, what's that hat? It's a hat that was given to me by the pastors uh, in in Ivory Coast when I taught that seminar. I marked that. It's on my my desk. I've got a picture of the Billy Graham crusade I served in in Houston. Anyway, I could go on and on and on and on and on. My wall in my study is basically a bunch of markers marking significant times in my life when God was at work. Don't miss the validity, the importance of doing that. I, I would say the most important thing, though, as I look at my life and my spiritual markers, it's not that trophy when I was 12 years old. It was not, not some of those other events. But, but when I was a teenager, I was about 18, when I prayed to receive Christ as my personal Savior, I wish I had written down the date. I didn't write down the date. I know it was in the spring. It was before Easter. I remember the event, though, when I was under such conviction that I was driving by the church that my parents had attended, and, and this wasn't the church I grew up in. We had... We had left that church and, and started doing our own thing. I drove by that church, and the conviction was so strong that I pulled in and, and walked into the pastor's office and said, I need to talk to the pastor. I, I just need to sell this, and the, there was no pastor there. And the secretary, bless her heart, she could tell I was troubled, and, and she said, well, I can get you. I said, never mind. If he's not here, I don't want to talk to anybody. Well, I got home, and the phone rang. It was the associate pastor. She said, Kevin, what's up? And I said, I need to talk to somebody. Drove back, met him at the church, and told him what was going on in my life and how I finally was ready to recognize and acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I'm ready to do something about this. And there in his office, I bowed my head and I said, Jesus, I'm lost in my sin, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Take up control of this messed up life and be the Lord of my life. got a marker that day. I remember where I was. I remember what I did There's a significant time in my life where I passed from death to life, where I was delivered from sin and delivered into the hands of the Savior. You need a time like that. If you say, well, I've always been a Christian, doesn't quite cut it biblically. The Bible says you must be born again. John chapter 3, go back and read it. There's a time in your life where you turn from sin and turn to Christ. I encourage everybody, make sure you know that you've done that. If you haven't done that, you need to settle it. You need to settle it. A significant time. Number two spiritual markers illustrate significant truths. Significant truths. Verse five. Go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each one should lift a stone to his shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes. And then verse 20 says, take those stones, those 12 stones, and set them that you took out of the Jordan, and set them up on the land in Gilgal. The truth is that you have now been brought from death to life, that you've been brought into Canaan, you've been given a new life. There's this pile of stones there. Joshua, when this was written, says they're there to this day. When people read this book initially, they were able to know there was a pile of stones on the land in Gilgal in the promised land that said this is what God did. The significant truth is he has saved us from our enemies and has delivered us. That significant truth in your life should be that you've been been saved by grace through faith in Christ. One of the best pictures of a spiritual marker that we have is, is baptism. We call it the Ordinance of Believers' Baptism, where, where we, it can be anywhere where there's water, but we have a baptistry here, a, a tank that we fill with water. Next Sunday morning, we're going to celebrate baptism. We have several people lined up to be baptized. And what that's going to be is that's going to be the spiritual marker for those folks that mark their salvation event. That water is not going to save them. That water will not wash away their sins, but it will be a marker in their life baptism, believer's baptism, saying, I have now identified with Christ. I've been buried with him. I've been raised to new life. We'll talk about this, but baptism is a picture of what, it's a picture of the gospel, that Jesus died and was buried and then he rose again. When a person goes in the water, it's a reminder that Christ died and was buried. When a person's raised out of the water, it's preaching the message that Jesus rose from the grave. It's also telling what happened at conversion, When we lower the person in the water, it's making a a statement that that person died to self when they trusted Christ. We raise them out of the water, it's making a statement that they were given a new life in Christ when they were saved. Significant truths. God is trying to say to the children of Israel, I was with you then, I'm with you now, I'll be with you in the future. Number three, spiritual markers cause us to think. Cause us to think. Look at verse five again with me just to highlight this go across to the ark of the lord god in the middle of the jordan each of you should lift a stone on his shoulder from the middle of the jordan verse six so that this will be a sign among you in the future when your children ask what do these stones mean to you it's a it's a reminder for your kids verse 19 the people came up from the jordan on the the 10th day of the first month and camped at Gilgal. The Bible is letting us know that God is saying, I want you to think about what has happened in your life, children of Israel. People of God, I want you to be mindful. These 12 leaders from the 12 tribes are, are, are a picture of a relationship with God. And I want you to remember that. I want you to, to mark that. I want you to think about what God has done. They take these stones from the Jordan and set them on the land. Markers cause us to think. I was talking with one of our men this morning. He's 80 years old, and he was saying this is the time of year this month where he accepted Christ as his Savior as an 8-year-old boy. So that's 72 years, right, walking with Jesus. And he said every time this comes around, he thinks back to those moments of, of his childhood where God was protecting him, where significant events happened, where his dad led him to faith in Christ there in his home where he's made significant commitments of his life. And I, I think about as, as he rehearsed those things with me this morning. We didn't plan this. It just happened. As he rehearsed those things with me, I thought, man, that's causing me to go back and think about how God has been at work in my life, how each one of those moments I can step back and I say, God, thank you. Thank you. Listen, if we don't mark these things, we forget them. Is anybody else forgetful like I am? Yeah, thank you for being honest. The rest of you, when well, you're thinking about it, right? I forget stuff. I will have to say to my wife, did I really say that? We, had, we, had a, we don't argue ever. We had intense fellowship one day, all right? <laughs> and, and she said, I told you that. I said, no, you didn't. She said, yes, I did. I said, no, you didn't. She said, Kevin, I told you this. And I know she's making it up because she's just going to try to sway me, right? So I said, okay, where were we when you told me that? She says, we were right over here on the bypass, we were going by, and I went, oh yeah, I remember now, I, I remember now. See, I forget stuff. It's helpful for me to see where I was when it happened, what was going on. When, when the God of the universe speaks to you, if he t- says something at his word to you, write it down, the enemy would love for you to forget it. He would love for you to do that, to not even go back to that significant event. Markers cause us to think about those things. Again, looking at all those markers in my study this morning reminded me of everything God has been doing in my life. But I love number four. Spiritual markers give us the opportunity to tell others about God's activity in our life. The opportunity to tell others about the activity in our life See, here's the, as you read the Old Testament, not only was God using the children of Israel, his people, to to usher in the Messiah through the line of David, through the the people of Israel, but God was also wanting the children of Israel to be two things, to be a light to the world, to, to walk with him in obedience, to walk with God and to be a light to the nations. Jesus said it in Matthew, you are the light of the world, that was a common theme to the Jews. They knew that. The, what God wanted to do, this is what he did here in this passage that we read last week and, and talked about the, uh, them going into the promised land, the nations being afraid, remember, to trust him to, because of what God had done. They knew that God was a part of that, that, that people. God's desire was that his people would so walk with him that when he worked and when he was active, the nations would notice it and want that. We looked at the life of Lydia, I think, recently. Did we do that, Act chapter 16? I think we did. I meant to if we didn't. There I go forgetting. Where Lydia was what was called a God-fearer. She was a pagan who had seen God at work in the Jews and wanted to be a part of that, and so she was embracing the Jewish theology. That's what God wanted. He wanted those people to so walk with him that it would attract people from the nations to him. So that was their role. Look at verse 6. When your children ask you, Those others who are to hear this, when your children ask you, when the next generation, and we're not just talking about your kids, but their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids, all right? When they begin to ask, what do these stones mean? You let them know that God was there, that God showed up. Look over at verse 23 again. For the Lord your God dried the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we crossed over. Look at verse 24. This is so that all the people of earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, so that they may always fear the Lord your God. Here's what God said. I'm going to take you across this Jordan River at flood stage. I'm going to have the water stand up. And stop, and you're going to walk across on dry ground so that other people in the land, the other nations will know that I'm a mighty God, and I deliver you. That's what it was all about, so that others could see. When we were raising this building, we put a sign out in front. We got some feedback, not so good about it. and It said, this building project financed by God. You all remember that? And some people thought, oh, that's great. Other people thought, that sure is presumptuous of you to put that all in their said, Well, that's really what we're doing. We said, we are, no, we are not going to fundraise here. We didn't believe in fundraisers. We still don't. We believe in God lowering the money. Okay, we believe, we believe in fund lowering is what we believe in. God, you provide. When we put that out there, it was to be a testimony to people that drove by that we're trusting God to build this building. I don't want people to drive by and say, we're trusting First National Bank or whatever or Wells Fargo. I want to know we're trusting God to build this, a a spiritual marker in the life of this church to let the community know we're trusting in God. That's what that was all about. Baptism, as it's a a marker of what's happened in your life, it's so other people can see it. One of the first young men I baptized came from a Catholic background. We led him to Christ in our church and uh, scheduled for him to be baptized on a Sunday morning. Many of you heard this story, and so it was like this. We had stairs in the back where we got back to get ready, and he came around the back, and I met him back there, and we went upstairs, and I showed him the baptismal robe. We used a robe in those days, and and said, this is what's going to happen. I said, no, when you get down in the water, uh, just don't bother to look at the people. He said, people. I said, yeah, the the congregation's going to be out. He said, whoa, you didn't tell me there were going to be people here. I'm out of here. He took his robe off, and he's headed out the door. I said, wait, wait, wait. I got him back in. I tried to explain to him. He thought baptism was just going to be me and him. He thought it was going to be a very private thing just between him and the Lord. And I said, no. And I'm thinking, i got to talk this kid into this because i got a congregation out there waiting on this. I said, no, here's what baptism is all about. It's, it's, about, it's about you letting the people know that you've trusted Christ. You've already done that. This is just your public testimony of what's already happened in your life. And fortunately, I was able to convince him, and I baptized him. And, and he, when he came up out of the water to get to the steps, it was a little bit different uh, layout. He jumped up and dove in the water and swam to the steps. So I figure he's over his uh, stage fright from being up there. But, but it was all about, this is for the people to see. This is is your public testimony. Spiritual markers are so that other people can see. That's why I encourage people, when you're being baptized, you have a friend or family member, invite people to come see that, because this is to let others know. Spiritual markers give us an opportunity to tell people what God's doing, whether it's a a pile of rocks on on my desk, or a little trophy, or something I put in my yard or something in my house. When people ask you, what does that mean? I love that. What does that mean? It's an opportunity I'm, I'm so glad you asked. This is, this is letting you know what God did in my life that moment, that day, that place. I tell our kids when we baptize them, when you go to school and your little friends ask you, why did you get baptized or why are you getting baptized? What are you going to tell them? And hopefully encourage them to say, well, I'm just publicly letting people know, I'm telling people that I've already trusted Jesus. That's what it's all about. Letting others know. So all of this comes into number five. This is my way of saying this. Spiritual markers provide us with a takeaway. Spiritual markers provide us with a takeaway, a to-go. When we were overseas, found out that when you order something you want to it's not to go, you order for takeaway. takeaway. What does that mean? It means you're going to put it in a bag or a box? Or like they love to give you those little plastic bags in Asia. I always wonder how clean those plastic bags are. So you're eat your food. It's, to, it's so you can take the bag home with you. So here's what a spiritual marker does. It enables me, it enables you to take that significant moment in your life, mark it down so you can brown bag it, so you can take it home so you can apply it in your life. I have journals at home. When I write in my journal, that's my, that's my opportunity to say, this is my takeaway there was a time in my ministry where I became overwhelmed with fear. I just Some events were happening, and I began to question some decisions I made, and I, I, I literally was fearful to take another step. I did not want to leave the house. And I got out my spiritual journal, and I looked back at some markers in my life, and I read them out loud, and I thought, yeah, God, you were there. Yeah, God, you were there. You were there. Wow, I forgot that you were there, too. By the time I finished, you know what? The fear was gone. Why? Because I was able to go back and I was able to take away the truth. And again, I'm forgetful. So I have to go back to something that happened, whether it's a year ago or 20 years ago, and say, God, here's the the take home for me. I've shared many with you, uh, with many of you how uh, a few years ago, as I took my sabbatical how God just met me in a field out there near Lakey, Texas, and and there was a rock in the ground, and I stood there, and the wind began to blow, and and it became my marker. I took Kelly afterwards and said, there's the rock where I was standing when God showed up. I was walking through the field singing, and I was singing, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. I was just really trying to spend some time with the Lord, and I got to that point in the song where that's the chorus. I learned this when I was a kid. The song begins this way. There's within my heart a melody, and I couldn't sing it, and God just stopped me there, and I realized I'd lost my joy. I'd lost my song, and through, through praying and seeking him and walking that day, I got there to that, that rock, and as the wind blew, and I'm standing there, and, and I hate wind. I grew up in West Texas. I hate the wind. Why did God bring me down here with all this wind? I don't know. There's no, there's no red dirt in the wind down here, all right? I don't like the wind. But that day, the field was, the grass was blowing and the wind blew, and I stood on that rock and it was like God just said, Kevin, this is a fresh wind in your life. I'm blowing a fresh wind. And let me tell you, when Kelly came to see me, I said, There's the rock. There's where it happened right there. I don't know if that rock's still there because I didn't take it home. It was buried, it was a big rock. But there's my marker of a significant moment in my life. Spiritual markers enable you to take it away to apply it. I usually don't have a pocket full of keys when I preach, but I brought my keys today because there's a little piece of copper on there. I don't know, it may have been 15 years ago, I preached a sermon to our men and I said, I want us to pray about being clean, empty, and available to God. I want want you men to commit to being a conduit of God's grace. And I put little pieces of copper conduit all across the stage, and our men came and took those. And sometimes a man will pull out his keys and say, look, look, Pastor, I've still got the conduit. Now, let me say this. Of all those men who came forward and were excited and took that little piece of copper, that little marker, not all of them are still walking with the Lord. I hesitate to say probably half of them aren't. So I want to say this. Markers don't mean anything if you don't act on them. It doesn't do any good to pile up the stones if you say, oh, yeah, that's a pile of stones. Yeah, I remember that day when we crossed over on dry land, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that day when the pastor preached that sermon and I got my little piece of copper. Yeah, I remember that. doesn't mean anything if you don't go back to the marker and say, Wow, God, I am in awe of what you did at that moment. Let's celebrate what God does. Mark those things down. If you don't know Christ as Savior, there's your first marker. You need to trust him. If you know him, look at your life. Celebrate those. Let's pray together.